welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. I'm James Kay and joined by ever, by ever, as ever, I've messed this up already, as Ryan McGowan. Hello, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Apparently lost the ability to speak within the first sentence, which is good. Yeah. How's lockdown life treating you? Uh, it, it's okay. Um, in, in Game of Thrones, uh, Stannis Baratheon says to his daughter... I didn't expect. Yes. <laughs> Stannis Baratheon says to his daughter, only boring people get bored. Uh, and I got bored this week. So I'm starting to question whether I'm actually an interesting person or have just things just dried up so much that even I, as a very creative person, have just sort of got bored. Well, it's very difficult to not be bored in a world where you can't... Well, you can go outside, but you can meet, what, one person? There's nothing to do. It's, yeah. There's only so much, like so many games you can play. Well, yeah, that's true, that's true. And, but I, I'm someone who's endlessly fascinated by almost everything. So I, I'm someone who can uh, sit on YouTube and just fall down a hole for hours upon hours upon hours and then go... I'm going to fall down another hole and then just watch a video about something completely different. Uh, I think I binge watched on Netflix recently uh, brought out uh, the Age of Samurai documentary. My Uh, brother's been watching that and some of my friends have as well. Honestly, James, if even if you're not interested in like Japanese history or whatnot, everyone's interested in samurai, and for that reason alone, it is bloody well worth a watch. Um, I I I love it. I think it's fascinating. And I just watched the entire thing from start to end uh, in one day because I just that's what I end wow. up doing. I fall down a hole and I just watched the whole thing. And now I'm watching uh, uh, a pirate uh, island or something, a new Netflix series about pirates uh, in in like Nassau. Pirates. Oh, it's great! And uh, someone I th- well, I don't know if you, uh, someone we know from uh, our dungeon days is actually in it. Do you remember a man called Manir? Yeah. Manir is in it. Episode two. He was funny. He was a funny guy. He's a funny guy. Um, we love Manir. Manir is a great person. He's so friendly, so lovable, such a really, really nice guy. He is in this pirate documentary series. He's in episode two, and he's got a, a pretty good role as well. Like he's um he's standing up and having a go at uh, this pirate captain Hornigold, and he's like, "Listen, right? If you can't lead us, we'll find someone else who can." And all this stuff, and you're like. Go on, Manir, and then Manir gets shut down a bit, and it's it's pretty cool to see him. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Oh, I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I got bored this week. Is is basically how it got. So I'm quite looking forward to going back to work now. And it's just the only time I've ever said it in my life. Yeah, I'm the same. But like this time, what? Well, I was not a year ago because pandemic's been going on over a year. Uh, two years ago, I'd be like, get me out of work. I hate it. Yeah. But now it's I want to go back really badly. I think a lot of people's perspective on life has changed this past year. Yeah. You've got to have something to do to keep the uh, the old brain ticking. Right. You do. And without do. much further ado, let's crack into the episode. So this is a bit of a weird episode today. Usually we cover one person. Today we're covering three, except it's two stories. Just one of the stories covers two people. It's That sentence probably confused you alone. So basically I was writing the, the first episode and I got to the end and I realised that it would have been about a 15-minute episode. So then I just wrote another one as well so this is a double it's not a two-parter it's just a double in one it's like a buy one get one free sort of thing it might still be a short episode i don't know i worked to a word count and it hit the word count but we'll see what happens (laughs) so um it's 
And also, just just want to get this out there. I worked out how to use dictation on my Mac, so I wrote this episode without typing a word. Oh, see, I've I've uh, I have dictation on on Word, uh, but my problem is the entirety of the document is full of um, uh, mm, uh, and it's not interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, because I I I I'm someone who. I will sit and stare at a paragraph and reword it about five times before I'm happy with it, which is why it takes me so bloody long to write episodes. But so I can't, I can't actually dictate it because it just doesn't, it doesn't come out right. I have to end up going I back through it. it and editing the entire thing. I wrote this episode lying in bed, just look, had the information on my phone and was just scrolling through and was just rewording it and reading it out to my laptop that was typing it for me i must admit there might be some points where i go what the fuck is that where it's like dictated me wrong i have tried to go through and edit it but i might have missed some so bear with but yeah i'm so happy i wrote this episode in half the time because i was just talking this episode was uh written by the future it really was honestly i can't recommend it enough just talk to your laptop it's fantastic anyway (laughs) so before we begin, um, I do want to put a little trigger warning up uh, because I know we released an episode a while back, the Sarah Likens one. Um, oh, yeah. we did, uh, to be fair, we did put disclaimers up, but it was a bit graphic and I think some people didn't expect it to be said graphic and it uh, took <laughs> a lot of people who. by surprise. Uh, Ryan's mom was not pleasantly surprised. <laughs> to be fair, neither was I. I had, to sit, I had to sit here and listen to it and I didn't enjoy it. I had no choice to turn it off either. I just had to endure it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My mom was not, it, it not was pleased. Grim. No, she wasn't pleased. And this episode, I don't. It's not as graphic. D- don't worry, it's not as graphic as that. But it's still. It, the first one is um, contains themes of sexual abuse towards children, oh, and man. the second one is just fucking weird and creepy. So if that's not your cup of tea, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. However, if you do want to uh, stick around, it is. It's still interesting. It's still interesting. Mm. So, the first mini sode is about a man called Nathaniel Bar Jonah, who was an American gentleman. Uh, he was from the small town of Montana, uh, more, sorry, start again, a small Montana town of Great Falls, which reminds me of um, Cars. What? Or is that Radiator oh, Springs? I don't know. Radiator Springs. Radiator Springs. I yeah. don't know why it reminds me of Cars, but I thought about Cars when I wrote that. And this is, he weighed more than 300 pounds, which I don't know why that matters, but he was a very large gentleman. And he's a big dude. He was a he was a big bloke, big bloke. Originally from the place I can't say, Massachusetts. <laughs> did I get it right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, he moved to Great Falls after being sentenced of a sexual assault and attempted murder of a young boy. Mm. In his early life, there were signs that he was just a normal child. However, on his seventh birthday in 1964, he received a Ouija board. Um, Ouija boards obviously are famous within the paranormal industry because. That's what they use, the yes, no, hello, goodbye, all the letters and stuff, numbers, whatever. But Ouija boards weren't actually first specifically designed for that. They were a Hasbro game. Yeah. Which is weird that they've now become this, like, big paranormal thing. It was a game for kids is how a Ouija board started. There's nothing more sinister to it than that, but believe what you want to believe. I mean, I assume, obviously, you've looked into that more. Like, it it, it was more of like a... Like, uh, discover your own self kind of game, you know? Mm. Um, and people like just to dick about with Ouija boards all the time. There was no paranormal link to it at all. I love the idea of doing a Ouija board now. And then, like, you speak to Bumblebee or Optimus Prime. Obviously, Hasbro famous for making Transformers <laughs> now. <laughs> Imagine, like, like, oh, Hasbro 
now famous for making like transformers and it's like yeah we're looking at history yeah we've brought you the ouija board oh god it's a <laughs> cursed company but i think the thing with ouija boards now is when you're doing them with your friends and stuff you're already in a heightened sense of something's going to happen like a high stage of fear and anxiety yeah so well, things that you wouldn't normally give a shit about you would be very aware of yeah so i mean i i've spoke about this uh recently to to jenna we were chatting about it like so she's not into uh, the paranormal world in any way shape or form it's just not something that her brain uh will pick up on like we we can watch a horror film that involves paranormal activity and stuff when we when we switch it off it switches off for her for me it lingers like it terrifies yeah. the crap out of me i hate paranormal horror films because i'm so susceptible to it uh there's a thing in the paranormal world called a tulpa have you heard of a tulpa no. So a tulpa is uh, an entity or a creature or being that does not exist until uh, a significant amount of people uh, will it into existence just by their mind. So, for instance, uh, right. the Slender Man is considered a tulpa. Slender Man doesn't exist. He is a creature. He's a creature created by some bloke on a Photoshop app in Reddit, uh, where it was like a put a scary caption on like a creepy picture and he just created the slender man and then made a creepy caption with it slender man now yeah. potentially exists in the real world because so many people have willed it into existence by believing that it exists does that make sense mm. yeah so um there's two girls in america two teenage girls um <clears throat> pardon me they went on to i think uh, attempts to murder a friend of theirs because they genuinely believed that slender man wanted them to do it and what they would do is when they made a sacrifice to slender man they'd go live in slender man's mansion like they actually believed that that would really happen and what i'm scared about and i i think this is potentially like almost 99 percent of most hauntings in people's homes or in their life it's a tulpa it's something that the person has created in their own mind and it's so real to them that it actually starts to manifest in the real world. And that's why mm. uh, pe other people don't see it because it doesn't exist. It only exists in the person who's created it. And I'm someone who I think could create one. I think my imagination is so strong and so powerful and I'm so scared of stuff that I could manifest a tulpa in my own mind and go crazy. I mean, it's very easily done, isn't it? You can, you can see things that aren't there because you're talking yourself into, into it. The mind plays tricks. It's the same as it's a bit unrelated, but like, you could like recently or the past year, you can talk yourself into having coronavirus symptoms without having coronavirus. Exactly. The mind's a powerful thing. The mind is so powerful. There's such things as a phantom pregnancy where you believe yourself to be pregnant. Your body starts to give yourself pregnancy symptoms, even though you're not pregnant at all. Uh, husbands and partners of their wives and spouses in in heterosexual uh, relationships husbands can uh, induce uh, period um, symptoms uh, behaviors of like when when uh, when their partner is on their period and they go through like the issues that they have cramps and some hormone imbalances and whatnot partners have been known to imitate those and feel those just based on watching mm. their partner because they have a different level of empathy in their own body that they're able to feel these things that other people just don't feel i think it's truly fascinating uh, i must say um but yeah i like that the ouija board is a tool that then got abused by 
people that claim themselves to be some sort of witch in the in World War One. Um, I don't know if this is something you're aware of, but during the First World War is when this whole Ouija board became paranormal. I believe this to be true. Really? Where you had women who had lost their partners, sons, brothers, fathers in war. And then you'd have someone coming around with a Ouija board saying, look, you can communicate to them with this glass on top of this board. Uh, and they were making mm. money out of them. And I think that's how... So it just started off as a scam? Yeah, it's just it's a scam. It was created as a scam. It's a way for these women to make... I believe they were to be women, but I'm sure there were men that did it as well. But it's a way for these people to make money out of victims who are grieving. You'd go in there with a Ouija board and say, look, they're not gone. They're in another realm. And using this tool, we can contact them. And obviously, Ouija boards do work. People use them all the time. But Ouija boards work. But if you tell someone the reason why it works is a spirit on the other side and not just we as a collective are doing this and it's quite fun you'll believe that it's a spirit and if that's what you want it to be you'll believe it it is true yeah your your mind will just settle on something and then you'll fully fully believe it i don't know how i feel about paranormal stuff i i I don't know it's creepy i get weirded out if i'm in like a dark place by myself i'm terrified of it james honestly i am terrified of it i've always said I I do not believe that they can actually exist. However, I'm st- I'm just terrified of the idea of it, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean it's better to play it safe than sorry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean we we spoke don't about eaten by a demon. We spoke about Ed and Lorraine Warren in what episode four? Oh Christ! Yeah, really. Early. Yeah, I'm getting good at throwbacks to old episodes now. Ed and Lorraine Warren, episode four, if you're interested. If you go through our back catalogue on Spotify, it's going to be an absolute mess. <laughs> uh, because the first four episodes didn't go out in order because we did it with someone else. Uh, and we only just got them back after we'd done Tesla, I think. But anyway, check out Ed and Lorraine Warren, yeah. where James tells us about Ed and Lorraine Warren's career, how they got into it, some of their creepiest stories, like um, uh, Annabelle Doll, and the Peron family, and I just, I just get really spooked out for the entire thing. It's, it's, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't like horror films, but yeah, that's not the hill there. Anyway, let's get back to yep. this uh, Nathaniel Barjona. So he received a Ouija board, and he wanted to try the board out. So he invited a five-year-old neighbour into his basement, where he tried to strangle what? her. Bit weird. Uh, however, she screamed, her mother heard her, and she escaped. The mother decided to press no charges, thinking it was just, I don't know, a little bit of a childhood game or whatever. What? However, in 1970, he tried it again. He got his six-year-old neighbour to a secluded area under the promise they could go sledding. However, Nathaniel Barjona then sexually abused the young boy. As he grew older, his ways of luring children became much more sinister and methodical, like he'd pretend to be a police officer and he'd lure children into his car to sexually abuse them. Wow, man. It's fucked. This dude's fucked. He was once caught doing this and was arrested, but was only sentenced to two years probation. Three years after this, he abducted two boys from the movie theatre claiming to be a police officer. He handcuffed them, took them to a secluded area and molested them. He then attempted to strangle one of them to death, and when he thought he was dead, he picked up the other one and put him in the boot of his car, or trunk if you're American, and drove away. However, the boy he strangled wasn't dead, he just passed out, 
and he regained consciousness and went to the police and Barjona was found with the other boy in his car and he was sentenced to 18 to 20 years in prison. Bloody hell. Already a lot's happened. This dude's... I got this off a BuzzFeed page. I was just scrolling through BuzzFeed. I typed in, like, horrible true crime stories and this bloke came up and then I researched him further. I was like, fuck, this is mental. Wow, man. I mean, first of all, that's not how you play a Ouija board. You don't just go... Do you want to play a Ouija board and then strangle them? Uh, no. <laughs> fucking no. hell, man. That's brutal. Yeah. It escalates further than this as well. Oh, really? That's not... You were like... <laughs> you got sent to prison for like 20 years and it's like... That's not the end. No, no, no. That's not the end. Wow. It, 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 it continues. It continues. So, he was sentenced to 18 to 20 years in prison. During the sentence, he met a psychiatrist and Barjona would reveal that he had fantasies of dissecting and eating children. And he was then sentenced to a mental hospital. However, some years later, in 1991, for some strange fucking bizarre reason, a judge decided that Jonah was not a threat anymore and said he could leave. And he was uh, put on probation only as long as he moved to Montana to live with his mom, Because apparently a mother has the ability to stop a, mm. a child molester. Yeah, no, nah, I mean... As I think we've spoke before, nine times out of ten, it's the early, early upbringing and the parents that have uh, created this kind of behaviour. I think this is one of those weird stories where the parents didn't really have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. He 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 was just fucked up all by himself. Damn. Uh, days after being released, he tried to force his way into a car where a seven-year-old boy was sitting and tried to smother him by sitting on him. However, the boy's mother found him and Barjona was arrested again. But nobody realised who he was and his past crimes did not follow him from Massachusetts and he blended into the Montana scenery very well. So he got away with it. Yeah, they just let him go. You sat on a kid and tried to suffocate it. Yeah, literally sat on a kid. And... I remember this bloke, he's 300, like, what did I say, 300 pounds? He's a fucking big man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, heavy, heavy bloke. However, no one, no, I've said that, silly me. This is that point where I've said this every fucking time I do an episode. I need to highlight certain <laughs> things. Uh, in 1996, a 10-year-old boy called Zachary Ramsey disappeared on his way to school. However, this case went cold and he couldn't be found. Nathaniel Barjona lived nearby and had been secretly luring boys into his apartment and sexually assaulting them. He even rigged a pulley to his roof and hung a boy by his neck. This went on for years and no one suspected him. However, Barjona was very generous with dishing out food. He fucking loved barbecues and all of the neighbours said the food that he would give them was full of very strange meat that they'd never tasted before. Nah, he hasn't, has he? We'll just let that one sit for a oh, while. Oh, mate. <laughs> mm. Barjona said it was from deer that uh, he went hunting. However, the neighbours went, they never saw him go hunting. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people know what deer tastes like. Yeah. In 1999, he was arrested outside of a school carrying a fake gun dressed as a police officer. The police then searched his home and that's when it all unravelled for him. They discovered photos of children cut from magazines and they found human bone. Uh, also throughout this, he was be- he was writing a journal uh, and it was written in a weird code. So they had to send it off for analysis. I think a lot of serial killers and 
nasty people do this. They're writing code, so people struggle to like decrypt it. Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. They think they're they think they're smart, and they think that no one gets them, so they're not writing their own shit. And it's like it's just ramblings. Mm. Yeah. So that's what he tried to do. Uh, during this time, the neighbours came forward and said that Barjona had been molesting their children, and he was arrested. I don't know why they waited yeah. for this time, but here we are. When the FBI decoded his journal, they realised that it described his obsession with torturing and murdering children. They found a list of 22 names, eight of which were his earlier victims, and a lot of them were names of kids that had gone missing around the area. They stumbled across entries titled Barbecued Kid, Little Boy Pot Pies, Lunch is Served on the Patio with a Roasted Child, My Little Kid Dessert, and Little Boy what Stew. The fuck? This bloke's writing a cookbook. <laughs> yeah. Neighbours then began wondering whether the meat they were fed were that of his right, victims. Right, but sorry, you went... Oh, they then went to the police and said, oh yeah, by the way, he's been molesting my kids. But you've been going to his fucking barbecues all this time as well. Yeah, just accepting oh food off of him. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. In the meantime, fucking so-and-so who was over there eating a fat-off hamburger going... Oh, this tastes a bit funny. Your kid went missing last week and you've just eaten it. Yeah, it's it's so hey. fucked. However, due to the odd tasting meat, the even though, sorry, besides the odd tasting meat, the weird journal entries and a meat grinder in his home, there wasn't enough evidence to prove allegations of cannibalism. Really? Oh. So he wasn't charged for that. All signs fucking point. I think it two and two together. He was killing these children and eating them, and serving them. I think that's a fair. It would make sense. And without a body, but, there's no crime, as they say. Hmm. But how do you prove it? But yeah, that. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't. But I think I, he was eating the kids and serving them to their parents. Right. I guess it's yeah. fucking Mrs. Lovett. Yeah, it is Mrs. Lovett. Yeah. Gross. Uh, he was sentenced to 130 years in prison for molestation charges. However, in 2008, his morbidly obese body was found dead in his cell from cardiovascular disease. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? In a, in a weird, morbid way. In a morbid karma. That's all the, the little kids that he ate clogging up his arteries. Yeah, exactly. They got oh, their own back. My God. How old was he when he went, do you know? Uh, oh, fuck, I should have found this out. He died in 2008 and he was born in... Didn't put it down. Uh, He was seven in 1964. Okay. <laughs> so he was born in 1950... Oh, maths. Yeah, I can't do quick maths. Seven? 1957, so what, I think. So 60-something? We'll go yeah. with that. We'll go with that. Safe bet. <laughs> wow. It's, oh, God. Mate, that's brutal. That's so bad. So, yeah. There's the story of uh, Nathaniel Barjona, who molested kids, strangled kids, killed kids. Definitely ate, kids. ate them. 100%. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he did. But there's no way to find that now. He's dead. So, But I, I, he 100% fed kids however the boy i mentioned um zachary his mom dropped charges because there just wasn't enough evidence that uh barjona had taken them but obviously he was clearly fucking eating them so he was just eating yeah. the evidence yeah 
Oh, mate, a savage. What a knob. Fucked up. I think he got so much. He got so many years in prison for molestation charges because I think the judge put two and two together and was like, "I might not be able to charge you for eating these kids, but you definitely a piece are." Of shit, and I'm gonna get you for everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's the first one. Wow. Uh, this this next story doesn't involve kids being eaten. Doesn't involve kids being molested. So that's good. However, it's a bit more. Oh, it's not paranormal. It's just fucking weird. Okay. So, uh, it's about the Silent Twins. I think some people might have heard about the Silent Twins. I've heard them referenced on a podcast before. And it's about two young uh, girls who lived in Wales who were twins and they had their own language and they only communicated with each other. And it's just fucking bizarre. It's just fucking bizarre. And it's really creepy, but keep in mind, this entire thing is 100% true and actually happened. Right, okay. Because it could well be. It sounds like a creepypasta story, but it's not. It's legit. And these girls are from Wales. Well, they were born in Yemen in 1963, but their family originated in Barbados and they came over to Britain in the early 1960s. However, they were born in Yemen because of uh, they were on a military base. Okay. So yeah. So but but they but the vast majority of this school hap- uh, this uh, story happens in Wales. Mm-hmm. So, remember, creepy but real. They were called June and Jennifer Gibbons, and they were born in April 1963. Their family had emigrated from Barbados to Great Britain in the early 60s, as I just said. The girls, however, would become quite famous due to their unwillingness to communicate with anybody except each other. They'd even create their own language. Now, there could be many reasons for the isolation, including they were the targets of horrific bullying at their school because they were the only black students. Which is quite sad, so you can see why they kind of like withdrew into themselves. And it got to the point where the school had to let the girls leave early every day so they could get home without being harassed. Fucking hell. What were they, I, I, would, I would assume that they were, uh, again, not that this is an excuse at all, but obviously Britain in the 60s was uh, horrendous um, for its racism as well. Um, mm. And imagine in Wales, maybe they were the only people of colour in their school. I think that stands a fair chance, yeah. They were targeted horrifically. Mate, that's horrendous. Yeah. Uh, as they grew up, the language uh, they had created grew with them, and by the time they were teenagers, their language was completely unintelligible to anybody else, and they refused to communicate with anyone else. Wow. They didn't do any writing, they didn't do any re- reading, and they mirrored each other's actions. In later accounts, June would say that they would wake up and be each other and they'd have to give each other back to themselves. What? So, like, one day June would wake up and be like, oh, I'm Jennifer today, and Jennifer would be like, give me myself back. And June would have to then give Jennifer her, her like herself back. I mean, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, yeah, they became, like, one. It's it's so strange. Well, and sorry, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this and I've just not listened or forgot. Uh, were they twins? Yes. They were twins. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. All right. Carry on, sorry. They were twins. Because <laughs> I, have, I, I have twin sisters. I have twin sisters, so I'm like almost, I'm like interested in this in a, uh, from a different perspective because like, I've obviously grown up around twins. And my sisters, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a, a, a charity research team called TEDS. And um, mm. their entire existence is based on uh, researching twin behavior 
if there's any link between this whole like oh if you punch one twin will the other one feel it or are they telepathic yeah. and all this sort of like you know crappy shit that people think yeah about. Like one twin will know when the other one's in danger yeah exactly right and i we every every year we used to have to go up to london uh to this like massive building and then my sisters would get like put in separate rooms and asked to do tasks and blah 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 and this was like the highlight of the year almost that like we had a day trip to london and got to do this <laughs> uh, and even now like my sisters are 25 and um they uh they still get letters sent through by this charity asking them, you know, would you still like to be part of the, um, you know, research and blah, blah, blah. And I think they still do it. Um, many kids just like vouchers involved, <laughs> but they still take part. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if there's but, vouchers involved, do it. But yeah, man, I'm uniquely interested in like twins, obviously growing up with them and seeing how they act and behave. <laughs> do they say, do your sisters say they have any sort of like mental bond or something? Um, so this is what I'm saying. It's, it's interesting because my sisters are non-identical. Um, they just happen to share the same womb. They're two different people that just share the same womb. So they don't necessarily share... Uh, they're not identical twins. They don't share the same DNA genetics in that sense to look like it or sound like each other. Um, but uh, no, they've, they've, they're uniquely close, um, I would say, more than like any other kind of sibling just because they were around each other 24 7 like they shared a room from the moment they came out the womb uh, until relatively recently like they always had the same friends they always did the same stuff together they've always been in each other's pockets and uh, now as they're becoming adults they're starting to like venture off and uh you know be their own person and you can it's interesting to watch how they are uh and when they're together it's a very it is interesting Mm. but um yeah and then identical twins have something different, I assume. Yeah, I think the stories of them uh, twins being having a creepy link. This is one of them, to be fair. Yeah. So in 1974, the strange behaviour was noticed and it was described as doll-like. A child psychologist immediately said that the girls needed to be enrolled in therapy. However, several psychiatrists could not work the girls out because they refused to talk to anybody else. In 1977, a speech therapist met with the girls and they refused to speak in her presence, but they consented to have their conversations recorded if they were left alone. It felt as though June wanted to speak, however Jennifer wouldn't allow it. And the speech therapist said Jennifer sat there with an expressionless gaze but felt her power and she began to believe that June was being possessed by her twin. Right. It's bizarre. The decision was made to separate the two girls and send them off to two different boarding schools, hoping that once they were on their own, they would develop their own sense of self. However, this was a failure. June and Jennifer withdrew into themselves and spent their time in a completely catatonic state, which basically means they were just zombies. Yeah. It took two people to get June out of bed, and even then she just propped against the wall with her body stiff and heavy as a corpse. I mean, that doesn't... I used to know... Uh, identical twins in college they went to two separate colleges one of them was in my college in my class and then another one was in a college uh, quite far away to be fair but I was at a house party once and I was speaking to my friend and she seemed really down I was like what's up and she was like oh I just haven't seen my sister in a day I'll just I'll just miss her mm. and I thought that's so weird like that's really nice but also that's so strange yeah I mean so I- I'm not surprised by so far what you've told me uh, uh, and n- nor am I surprised that this child psychologist's method hasn't worked. Um, so, mm. 
as so, so coming from like my family uh, my sisters were literally as I said in each other's pockets from the moment they came out of the womb till relatively recently even now they're still like they have specific days like uh, Mondays the Monday is their day together they do everything together on a Monday that, that, that's their day yeah uh, and they grew up they had the same friends whatnot there have been so many fights between them two in my family when it came to growing up and having different friends and wanting to do different things that the other one is not necessarily interested in. So uh, my sisters have gone down two completely different career routes. Like one is a hairdresser, another one's a hydrotherapist. So like she swims animals to like rehabilitate their limbs and whatnot. So they've gone down completely different pathways and they have completely different interests. And you wouldn't believe the amount of arguments where like, they're like, oh, why can't you just have more of an interest in the stuff I want to do? Because they're so close. They are best friends. They're more than sisters. Like, they're best friends. They share this unique connection uh, that when something comes between them, it's it's bigger than, like, just having uh, me having a different interest than my sisters. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've known your brother yeah. for your entire life, but you're not as close to him as... You didn't share a womb and you didn't share a cot and you didn't share the baths together. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So like for these two twins who have gone through a traumatic childhood in terms of a school, they've been picked on and bullied simply for the color of their skin, which is absolutely horrendous. They've gone into themselves and uh, what they've done. I This is I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not a fucking expert. I'm just looking at this from like someone who has been around twins my entire life. Um. I think what they've done is that the more dominant twin, the one that is uh, stronger emotionally to handle what's going on, has just almost taken mm -hmm. over them as a couple and is now like, if you want to talk to us, you come through me. And the other one just sees that as her rock. And now they're just, they're linked t together. That they're, they're the only thing that keeps each other strong. And then when you take them apart, you know, the other one that is the one that needs help more propping up by the stronger twin is like, I can't do this. I cannot do it. Mm. I'm not surprised at all. Okay. It's interesting you say that because it does develop further sort of down that route. So, it was decided that the twins should be reunited. However, when they were reunited, they withdrew from the world even more and they would no longer speak to their parents and they only communicated by writing letters. Mm. They'd spend their time in their room playing with dolls and creating fantasies. And after being given a pair of diaries, they began writing plays. They realised very quickly that they liked creative writing and they wanted to publish their works. However, the themes of their novels were really quite weird and quite worrisome. The majority of the stories took place in the USA, specifically in Malibu, and centred around young people committing horrific crimes. It's really like these young girls writing horrific crime novels. It's strange. However... The joy of writing didn't last forever, and by the time they were 18, they started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and committing petty crimes. In 1981, they were arrested for arson and placed in a maximum security hospital for the criminally insane. They spent nearly 12 years at this hospital, where they would continue filling in their diaries. However, life was tough for them here. The doctors began treating them with antipsychotic medicines, which caused blurred vision. They did, however, talk to the doctor explaining that because they uh, were talking, they should be able to leave. And he said they were going to be here for 30 years. Long old time. They haven't necessarily done anything. Uh, apart from trying to burn something down, no. it's they, 
I can see why people do think they were insane because they had their own language. They were they enjoyed their drugs, but I I don't know if they were getting the correct help at this hospital. I don't think they were getting the correct help from day dot. No, no, they something something went wrong. But the th- it gets even weirder. It's so strange. Um, okay. In March 1993, they were to be transferred to a lower security clinic in Wales. However, when they arrived at the place, Jennifer was un- unresponsive and would not wake up, and she was pronounced dead due to a sudden inflammation of the heart at just 29 years old. However, the death wasn't the the, the death was shocking, but what was more shocking is the effect it had on June. She began speaking to everybody as if she'd been doing it her whole life. And she was then released from hospital shortly after and lived and is living a fairly normal life. Mm-hmm. It seems that at no point she had a desire to be silent. And reading through June's diaries, it became clear she felt possessed by her sister, who she referred to as a dark shadow. And Jennifer's diaries revealed that she thought of June as a fatal enemy and described her sister as a face of misery, deception and murder. Even though they were inseparable, they were fucking terrified of each other. Huh. Which, oh, it just seems strange that they, they really thought the other one was out to get them, and yet they were the only person they wanted to be with. I'm not sure if if they necessarily thought the other one was out to get them. I, just, I, th- I think it comes, I think it stems from childhood trauma. I, I genuinely think that it, it's more... They, the experiences they had as a young child at school, uh, they withdrew and uh, sought uh, compassion and strength through each other. And then, obviously, as a kid, like if you don't deal with that in the appropriate way, that can intensify. And obviously, it has with these two. And you know, obviously, we don't know what the parents did and how they addressed the bullying issues and the racial issues that they had to deal with at school. We don't know how they dealt with it. Um, but, you know, maybe that has not helped and they've, they've withdrew even more and they just, they only see strength through each other. Uh, and then when the child psychologist is like, yeah, you guys need to be split up, whatever. I think that's uh, quite a scary thing. Obviously, I've said that. But when they came back together, I think uh, that that's, that's almost become the opposite in that, they're naturally drawn to each other because each other is a source of strength. However, they are also a constant reminder of why they suffered. Does that make sense? I get where you're coming from, yeah. And so maybe like it's manifested in a different way. Obviously, they don't talk to anyone. They only talk to themselves. Uh, so they can't exactly have a, a genuine intellectual conversation whereby they can discuss how they're feeling they talk in their own language of course so i'm sure there's words that they cannot express to each other uh even though they do understand english but they're certain words maybe they don't express to each other uh or, or they just haven't expressed to each other uh how they really feel i think it's more they cannot keep away from each other because they are each other's source of strength however just by looking at them they are still repulsed by them because of it reminds them of why i had to go through this sort of kind of trauma uh and then when you're when you're in and around that person i think you just withdraw i think you just go back to this childlike state of no i'm i'm safe here and i'll just stay here it's almost like you know as adults even though we know it's not real but 
you're safer under the covers than you are out of it. Like that mm. childhood mentality, you know that doesn't make sense. If you hide under the covers, you think you can't be seen. It's just, but if you're on the other side, I, I know there's someone in there, you know? It's like that. I think they just, I don't know, I think you just made them withdraw. And then obviously when one of those sisters just, just dies, the other one almost feels free at that point and then has to find has to has uh, you're forced then to uh ingratiate yourself again back into normal life i don't know i've just been rambling i see where you're coming from i see where you're coming from like there is a desire to find a logical explanation uh from this however the the it gets a little bit stranger okay um just before this, a journalist had became really interested in their story, and the the girls like opened, or the women at this point opened up to the journalist about things, and it became very obvious that June wanted to speak. However, Jennifer wouldn't allow it, and Jennifer was the dominant force. However, like as time went on, they they became friends and they'd like laugh together, and they would open up a little bit more. And the journalist revealed that the twins had decided that one of them had to die and that it decided that it was Jennifer that had to die. Uh. And it appeared that they had been planning for Jennifer to die to quite some time because they'd come to the conclusion that one of them had to die so the other one could live, which is just bizarre. And when they left the hospital, Jennifer rested her head on June's shoulder and said, at long last, we are out. She then slipped into a coma and died. What? What? It's crazy. It's almost, it's literally like they just decided, Jennifer, you need to die. And Jennifer was like, yeah, I do, so you can live. And Jennifer just died. Whoa. There was no, they, they, they did an autopsy. They looked into the medicine. There is no reason why she should have had a sudden uh, cardiovascular attack. Wow. That's crazy. That's bizarre. That's like Star Wars when fucking Padme dies. It's like she just lost the will to live. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's that that that's where it gets fucking weird yeah that's where it almost gets kind of paranormal yeah that's the weirdest thing of the uh, story for me is that she just went okay and then just gave up yeah she just died despite being healthy several days after jennifer's death june was in good spirits and willing to talk and it was like she was a new person she said she felt free for the first time and that jennifer and june together decided it was june's responsibility to live for them both and she does just that she still lives in the UK and she talks to anyone that is willing to listen. And why? She, and when asked why she was silent for 30 years, she said she'd made a pact with Jennifer that they were not going to speak to anybody except each other. Yeah. And if you are interested, she does interviews. They're all on YouTube. This story is 100% true. Go and look into it because it's fucking weird. It's almost like they were meant to be one body, but they were kind of split into two. Right. And for one of them to live, the other one had to die. Mm. And it was just decided that Jennifer decided she should die so june could live oh wow so that's it that's the story of the silent twins fucking strange that is a bizarre case yeah yeah it's a bizarre case i would be interested to see what uh, a child psychologist today would uh think of their uh child behavior now mm. you know looking back they at created it. a like a a language from a very early age which shows high intelligence i think uh, yeah for sure but i don't think that's uh uncommon between twi- uh, siblings but specifically twins you know i mean uh mm. teenage girls do it all the time with that bloody do you remember pigeon that language 
No. Do you not remember Pigeon? Oh my god, oh it's insufferable. When I was in uh, secondary school, I must have been year nine specifically, so that's what, uh, 13 years old? Um, yeah. All the girls were speaking in Pigeon, which is some bollocksy made up language where you replace certain vowels in words uh, and you mix up the order that the letters come in uh, and it's like almost like a legitimate language in the terms of it's not a language it's English but English that's been rehashed so like there'd be like I don't know I don't I can't remember this is like one phrase I kind of think no it's not even a phrase but I just remember this sound like a or something like that and it's something like it, I, I don't know there must be girls listening that you're screaming at the fucking your phone or your earphones being like I know pigeon um but it's like a genuine thing like, girls speak pigeon and it's it's one of the weirdest things. Um, made up languages. I've never heard of this. I, I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find out more. Um, but yeah, no, fascinating. Like people made up languages. I think is quite common among uh, siblings that are very close, particularly twins. Hmm. Well, I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien well, we was doing it, wasn't he? Oh, he was creating languages from a very early age. I'll, if if you are interested, again, I think well, hey. I think it was the first. Uh, second, second episode. episode we ever did yeah second Fucking episode christ all that time ago um yeah. <laughs> we did an episode on tolkien about how he learned languages by reading the welsh trains that went past his house yeah cool episode go back go back look at our backlog there's fucking loads of it now oh uh, there's probably over 70 hours of us talking yeah yeah that's mad <laughs> uh it's, well it's this episode what 82 or 81 yeah, and some episodes are longer, some are shorter, to be fair. So it probably evens out at about eighty-one hours of content. Yeah, go back, fill your boots if you've not, if you're, if you're new to the show. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> um, I've got a bit of homework uh, to bring in, James, to tell you. Uh, last week we spoke right. about Paul Alexander. Uh, we did, yeah. About the man who lived in his iron lung. If you haven't listened, go back check it out. It's quite an interesting story. Uh, uh-huh. The guy had a stripper while he's in an iron lung, which is quite cool. Um, <laughs> but um you know you brought up uh how you didn't have your tb jab at school yeah uh, now i spoke to my mum and my mum well obviously she listens to the show as well so she she brought it up to me before i could even ask her uh she used to work in secondary schools as a nurse and her job amongst many others was to uh sometimes help uh, give jabs to the kids and um yeah i she brought it up she remembers that year uh, that you didn't get your jab because no one did uh, in your year. Yeah, in in the country across the whole academic year. And she told me why. Would you like to know why? Yeah. Um, it's Am a- I going to be put into a ball of anxiety because of this? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Oh fuck it! Just let me know. Let me know. I'll get on the phone to the doctor after this and request a jab. Go for it. Maybe request a jab. Well, so it turns out the reason why your year specifically were not given your TB jab is because every year beforehand, including mine, we were given our TB jabs. However, by the point of your year, when it was your turn, uh, TB, the the TB jab program had been stripped back because TB had all but been eradicated in the UK. And it's actually very, very yeah. rare uh, for a lot of countries uh, in, in the Western Hemisphere, in like the, the Europe and America and whatnot. So they thought, uh-huh. why are we paying for a lot of money for a, a disease that doesn't exist in the UK anymore? And so they scrapped it. That's why your year never received the TB jab. The reason why okay. the year below you got their TB jab, though, was because 
apparently that year specifically there happened to have been an influx of uh, uh people emigrating to the uk from countries where tb is not eradicated and where tb is somewhat rife uh, some places in like eastern europe and some other places in the continent of africa and whatnot uh, tb was quite still right. quite prevalent in certain areas in certain countries and people were emigrating to the uk where they'd not had jabs and they may have been bringing tb over and because of that they went ah tb is still an ever-present threat we should probably crack on with that vaccination program again that's why the year below you got it so why the fuck didn't they go to our year like hey sorry guys we fucked up why are we the guinea pig year i guess they forgot <laughs> fuck that's that's alarming yeah I mean, interesting for the listeners should i get a tb jab is that something i need to go and do i mean you can go get one yeah i think you can get it for free on the nhs as well um i, I think you can go get I it i fucking hope so uh yeah because obviously you would have got it for free anyway at school so i'm assuming you can get it as an adult if you really want one the tb jab you get is it the, the heath jab or something first to see whether you need it or not because some people are naturally immune oh, i don't know about that i don't know and then some a lot of people need it i was just mad mad they were like yeah it's fine and then realized it wasn't fine we're like fuck the year where we said it's fine they'll be they'll be okay i <laughs> like the idea because i'm sure if i stay in england if i stay in england for my entire life i probably won't get it yeah but what if i want to go to africa and eastern europe or wherever tb is yeah you're susceptible to it apparently <laughs> yeah see you're at a more you may be at more increased risk of developing tb uh because you've not had your jab and now you know why. That's so worrying. Yeah, now you know why. As to our listeners, so the listeners are like listening to this going, oh, interesting, you brought it up last week. Ryan's bringing it back this week. In the meantime, James is sat on his bed just sort of rocking, wondering how he's going to get a jab. I don't even know what TB does to you. Tuberculosis is a horrible respiratory disease that people used to die of a lot. Coughing, right. coughing blood and all that sort of stuff. It's not very nice. It's, it's oh, awful. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... The second is I'm going to go and talk to my mum right now because I still don't... I'm a 25-year-old man. I don't ring the doctors by myself. I need my mum to do it. So <laughs> I'll get my mum to do it. Yeah. Well, there you are, James. Uh, I'm glad I, we, I could be of service here. That's worrying, though. That's such an oversight. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how literally last week we were mentioning how... Uh, if you forget about these deadly diseases and you forget the reason as to why we have these vaccinations, you're more likely to then bring it back. And it turns out that happened to you. People forgot and you didn't get your vaccination. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. Well, that's on my to-do list. It certainly is. <laughs> that's um, I think a good way to wrap up the show. <laughs> Yeah, as I just descend into a fucking panic attack. Yeah. Uh, so, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as you could fucking enjoy it, because that first story was absolutely fucking horrendous. Um, um, yeah. Mm, it really was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, uh, yeah, horrendous. Stop going to your weird neighbour's house and having a barbecue when you just think... If you, if you, if you're, if you know someone in your street's a bit bizarre, and then they go, do you fancy a barbecue? Just be like, I'll come... I'll bring my own meat. Just bring your own stuff, all right? Yeah. And if you are the kind of person that molests and then eats kids, stop. Yeah. Stop. Just stop. Stop. And more importantly, why are you listening to this show? Please don't. Yeah. 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 Go 
put yourself in prison. I don't like the idea that people listen to this show. Can you imagine, James? There's, po- there's a possibility. There is a possibility that someone who listens to our show could be an absolute degenerate. <laughs> I thought you were going to go like serial killer, murderer, but you went with degenerate. I thought that de- de- um, degenerate was almost like I thought as an umbrella term to cover all of them. Paedophiles, murderers, serial killers. There could be someone listening to us who is either or all of them. I mean, yeah, maybe. It stands a fair chance, but then... Oh, don't do it. Just don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. We've got enough content. We don't need any more. That's our message to you. Um, God. Okay. Right. I think it's a good place to wrap up. Thank you for that, man. I do too. Uh, ah, man, that was interesting. That's fascinating. Uh, as James mentioned, if you are interested in any of these stories, uh, you can check them out yourselves, uh, particularly about the Silent Twins. There's lots of uh, content on YouTube that you can watch. Obviously, she's doing quite a few interviews. Uh, so there's that. Uh, right next week, uh, we we spoke about some monsters on the podcast before, like you know Mengele, Hitler, most of the Nazi upper circle, mm. blah blah blah. Like uh, Catherine Knight skinning her boyfriend, um, yeah, yeah Gertrude yeah. Banachusi beating a fucking sixteen year old to death, whatnot. Uh, this episode, yeah, sucking bloke eating kids. Next week's episode, yep, he's a bad guy, but he's not like them. He's just an he's just a bit of a dickhead. Is I suppose. <laughs> the only way to explain who he is we're talking about a guy so he's not evil he's just a knob ah this i mean so we spoke about evil people before we've spoke about monsters this guy doesn't come into that category he kind of wants to be he's just a dickhead is basically it it's just simply because that you know where like when we see like terrorist attacks and whatnot and everyone's like stop giving them power by talking about them blah 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 stop calling them a terrorist stop calling them all these big fancy fucking words that make them like have yeah. some sort of inflated sense of self this guy is that kind of person where i don't necessarily want to talk about him because what he does is just not fucking useful right it'd be like it, it's it's in the same vein, really. It's it's like talking about a 1930s to, uh, uh, Robinson. What's his name? Tony Robinson? Who's that fucking knobhead? Who's that knobhead? Uh, the EDL bloke. Oh, Tommy, Tommy Robinson. Robinson. Do you know what I mean? Like Tony Robinson is the historian of the yeah, blackout. Yeah, Tony, Tony Robinson's <laughs> an absolute national treasure. Tommy Robinson is a dickhead. Do you know what I mean? Like, you think, he's a knob. Yeah. This guy we're going to talk about next week, his name's Oswald Mosley. If you watch the Peaky Blinders... Oh, yeah, okay. if you watch the Peaky Blinders series, you'll be familiar with Oswald Mosley. Oswald Mosley is just a knob, <laughs> and we're going to talk about him next week, and this is intense. Proper fascist. Proper fascist. Uh, up the arse of Mr. Hitler... Uh, it's just a, a, a huge brown noser, and it's very political. And I've I now have to, I've now learnt about economics. I've now learnt about politics, and I'm my brain hurts. So that's who we're talking about next week, Oswald Mosley. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Let's get political. Yeah, let's get political again. We haven't we have not got this political since we spoke about uh, Churchill and Adolf Hitler and stuff. So it's interesting. <laughs> Uh, right, so look forward to that. That's coming next week. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the social media, or the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter, whatnot. Uh, we do post pictures and images of like the people we are talking about, so you can have a visual uh, 
representation of what they look like, which is how, kind of the point of it. Uh, if you fancy uh, donating to the show, you can do so. You can find us on our Ko-fi page. Just hit the link in our bio for anything. Find Linktree, and uh, there is a link to our donations page there. It really helps the show grow. Also, in terms of growing the show, if you could rate and review us on the platforms you listen to, most uh, people listen to us on Apple Podcasts. So if you are listening on that platform, please just drop us a five star or even just say hello as a review. Uh, we'd much appreciate that. And I think that about wraps everything up. So uh, I, let's thank you for listening from me and I'll see you next week. Ta-ra.